You are Locked On Blue Jays, your daily podcast on the Toronto Blue Jays, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Blue Jays fans, and welcome to Locked On Blue Jays, your daily dose of Toronto Blue Jays talk directly into your headspace. I'm your host, Ryan Andrews, back for another 24-hour period of Blue Jays talk, and oh, where do we begin? Like there, there are some days where where you come on and you're kind of, you know, unsure. Like what what can I talk about really that you that you the fans want to hear about? And today is is not one of those days. There's I'm I'm still a little unsure what. I actually want to talk about first, but I I I was debating: Do we want to talk about what happened last night? Because I know I had to immediately go to McDonald's after work and get two McFlurries just to deal with what happened during that seven-two loss to the Yankees. Or do do we want to talk about the MLB draft? Blue Jays made uh, eight selections yesterday including an interesting one as it relates to the first round selection. But uh, I, those, those were, were kind of upset because uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is limping. This is not a drill. This came out uh, about 45 minutes ago from the time of recording this podcast. Keegan Matheson of Baseball Toronto reported that Guerrero was leaving the game after looking uncomfortable advancing to second on a Kevin Biggio hit and he instantly left the game after that and given the way this Blue Jays season has gone it would be absolutely perfect if there was zero chance of Vladimir Guerrero Jr. coming up with the team this year for a medical reason as opposed to just a we don't want to burn a contract year reason and yeah, uh, the fan base was instantly thrown into chaos, offering to amputate themselves just to give Vladimir Guerrero Jr. a leg to stand on. I would have offered, but I'm 6'4", and my leg is not suitable for the kind of body that Vladimir Guerrero Jr. possesses. I would rather see him, you know, steady as opposed to trying to walk akin to a six-year-old putting on their mom's high heel on one shoe for the first time. That's not helpful to anyone. So we we continue monitoring the situation, and right before we started recording, uh, Rob Langley of the Toronto Sun reported that Guerrero is walking around the dugout with a bat in his hand, so it, it doesn't appear to be serious. But the big thing is, like... Like, we don't really want to take a chance on this now, do we? I'm, I'm, tr- I'm speaking in, in the royal we, I guess, but I, I think Blue Jays fans as a whole will agree that sending a less than 100% Vlad Guerrero Jr. out at a level where he doesn't need to be anymore is not beneficial to anyone's hopes of of what they want to accomplish this season. And it, it is an injury that Guerrero initially picked up in the weekend series when he kind of awkwardly stepped on first base um, during the Fisher Cats doubleheader that they played on the weekend. But 
I again, this this is not about getting reps for Guerrero anymore. Not at this level. The the thing with Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is that he needs to get out of this unscathed, unlike so many Blue Jays that we have seen hit the disabled list this season. But yeah, I I wonder if again it it might have been Vlad Jr.'s call whether or not he wanted to play after the weekend doubleheader. And and given how much sway he has at this point, I I'm sure the the powers that be at New Hampshire were like, okay, Vlad, if you say you are good, then sure, we will let you go out there and and give a run at it. But at at this point, I cannot condone that kind of action. And and especially coming from a guy who's 19, he wants to be out there. He's lived baseball. He wants to be out playing baseball all the time. So is it worth acquiescing to the wants of a teenager just so he can go out and face the rubber ducks? I, I can't. I can't agree with that. I can't get on board with that. So I know I'm probably in the minority, but I would prefer not to see Vladimir Guerrero Jr. play for for at least the next couple of days. Just let him let him take the load off his ankle. He he doesn't need to be out there against the lights of Binghamton and and Akron. Just just rest up. Get that foot back to where where it's not going to be a problem in the field and then come back like it, I know this kind of put off the talk about promoting Vladimir Guerrero Jr to Buffalo which was rumored to be coming at some point during this month I there were so many rumors about Blue Jays brass talking about oh we got to we're, we're going to have to promote Vlad Jr and I know the the injury kind of derails that but again this this is not the year for Vlad Jr. This is not the year he's going to make an impact on the big level, big league level. So I would much rather him get through this year, be healthy, be be able to learn the third base position, which the Blue Jays have asserted that that's the only reason why they haven't brought him up for his bat. Which okay, I that's your call on that. So let let him make sure he can do it 100% and and not pick up anything that could derail him down the line because if you if you adjust yourself to try and walk differently to to compensate for an injury now it will wreck you for the rest of your life down the line because your body will adjust to it and you won't have those good habits that you had before and and you'll keep pressing and you'll just make yourself more injury prone and i really Really don't want that to be a tag attached to Vladimir Guerrero Jr. We, the Blue Jays cannot afford to have him injury prone. So I I would much rather just be breast up, take it easy, and, and come back strong, you know, maybe in a series against Bowie. And, and I know you want to get Vlad Jr. out there at some point during the homestand, but let Akron have LeBron. Let, let them have someone else to watch. Don't... Don't be running Vladimir Guerrero Jr. out there when you don't have to. Let, let's talk about the MLB draft next. Let, I feel that's going to be a shorter one 
and we can go into yesterday's debacle in the latter half. The Blue Jays actually got a little bit of a coup with their third round pick, taking Jordan Groshon's teammate at Magnolia High School in Texas, uh, Adam Kluffenstein. The, the Blue Jays are not making it easy with names this year. Adam Kloffenstein is a huge pitcher. Like The Blue Jays don't dip into high school pitchers very often. And Kloffenstein is a guy who was considered a first-round talent. But he, he fell because there were thoughts that he was committed to Texas Christian University and that he was going to go there and try and spike his value. But the Blue Jays actually played that really well because not only did they get a first-round pick in Groshans, who will likely sign below his slot value, which means that money can be allocated elsewhere, it also gave incentive for Kloffenstein to sign with the Blue Jays because he gets to be with someone he's incredibly comfortable with. Um, Groshans and Kloffenstein have been teammates forever. They grew up in the same neighborhood in Texas. And and to be able to com- to convince Kloffenstein, it, his slot value is about $650,000. he will likely sign for more than that with the money saved by signing Groshans. But the fact that they were able to bundle these two together and and pull them in like that is is a big, big coup for this front office. And the results won't be seen until, again, 2022, like like further down the line with these guys. But the Blue Jays scored three top 50 ranked draft picks in their first three rounds. They could have they could have gone for for the big one. They could have gone for a Brady Singer or a Matthew Liberator. And, and kind of spiked their value in the later rounds. But they, they did very well to get the best collection of players they could. And and they continue that in the fourth round with number 85 on MLB's board, Sean Weimer. He's the junior out of Texas Christian. They really pumped Texas hard this year. I'm, I'm guessing Ryan DePera had some influence on that. But they did very well in, in getting guys who have have like a high floor potential and then and then leveraging that to get the high ceiling guys in in Groshans and and Kloffenstein to to really be able to balance and and build build that kind of wave minor league system that the Blue Jays have never really had Cleveland has it in waves they just keep promoting guys and promoting guys and and keep replacing that's how they maintain their success in Cleveland so being able to build waves like that in this Blue Jays organization will be big in sustaining what Toronto can do in the future. And I like the way the draft shook out in in that manner. And and they did well in getting getting later guys too. They got guys like Nick Podcool, who, you know, in addition to having a a great name, he he looks like a good glue guy, as well as Cal Stevenson, their tenth round pick out of Arizona. Guys who may not make the major league roster but are great organizational guys to have um akin to guys like jason leblebiji and 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 gunner height and those those kind of guys great great glue guys and i'm i'm actually very excited for what the blue jays did in the first two days i'm 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 impressed i admittedly i was a little shaken by groshans but 
now that the entire plan has unfolded, I see what they tried to do. And, and I think they did a very good job of that. So I'm actually very excited with the draft and it, it's a good thing. I am excited by the draft because I definitely wasn't excited by what I saw last night from the major league club. And we will talk about it right after this. Okay. So I'm torn whether or not I should talk about, I, I guess I have to talk about the good first. So in the Blue Jays 7-2 loss to the Yankees, which again, any loss to the Yankees is brutal, but this one was just, you know, Kali Ma pulling the heart out brutal. Last night saw the reappearance of a familiar friend to Blue Jays fans, good Marco Estrada. Marco Estrada went out and tossed six beautiful innings of shutout baseball. He had his he had his changeup working. He had his fast he was putting his fastball where he wanted. He didn't walk a batter, which is huge. He got six strikeouts and and something that was pointed out to me when I was watching the game last night by Adam at Flames underscore Jays underscore eighty three. He pointed out that he saw Marco Estrada mixing in his curveball more. And from the looks of it, it looked like it was keeping Yankees batters completely off balance. Because Marco is primarily known as a fastball changeup pitcher, a lot of batters were able to sit on those this year and just wait for wait for one or the other to come across the plate, whichever one they happen to be sitting back on. But because Marco was throwing that curveball in there more, it kept batters off balance and they had another thing to, to think about in their heads. And it was very effective. I, I'm not sure why Marco got away from the curveball earlier this year, but its reemergence completely changed the perspective that he gave batters and it led to success. The, fa the fact that he was able to get you know, 65% of his pitches in for strikes as well. Huge bonus to what Marco Estrada can do. When he's able to paint those corners, it makes it really difficult for hitters to get a good swing on a ball from him. And and that's key to his success. So if he can keep doing that for the Blue Jays, that that is so huge going forward to have have that third arm that you can reliably get six innings out of. We, we've seen that kind of turnaround lately from the Blue Jays starters, maybe that they have figured it out between Aaron Sanchez and Marco Estrada. That would be so huge for that starting rotation to finally pitch like the starting rotation we thought it was going to be. However, second that Marco Estrada came out of the game, Blue Jays handed the ball to Sung Hwan Oh. Sung Hwan Oh has been good. He had a bad outing on the weekend against Detroit. But but that's fine. Pitchers are going to have bad outings. Sung Hwan Oh decided to compound that bad outing by coming into the game after Estrada gave up a single to Gary Sanchez to lead off the seventh, which ended up blemishing his scoreline because Oh went hit by pitch, walk, grand slam. Miguel Andujar took him over like it was a no doubt second Andujar hit that and like like it was already tense watching O pitch that inning and and you could you can just ramp it up by um if you go on baseball reference and you check out their box scores they actually have like percentage chance to win the game it was at 31 percent heading into that seventh inning for the Yankees to come back and win and the batting progression from Sanchez to Gregorius to Hicks to Andujar 
went 38% to 48% to 61% to 89% after Andahar hit that grand slam. And that that was absolutely terrible. Like for for again, a bullpen that had been so good during the season but had been pushed to the absolute limits with his use because the starting rotation was so garbage. These were the cracks that everyone feared were going to appear. And they started appearing with Tyler Clippard. And they started appearing with John Axford. And it was only a matter of time before it hit San Juano. And it it has hit hard. That was an absolute brutal. A brutal progression of pitches from O. And like, I'm, I'm more angry about the Aaron Hicks walk than the Andahar Grand Slam. That... That pitch to Andahar was, it was in a fat spot, but there was no reason to throw that wide on Aaron Hicks on a full count. You can you can go go down on Aaron Hicks, you can go in on Aaron Hicks, you can't go like a foot outside on Aaron Hicks. He's not going to chase that. So I was more angry about that pitch for Mo. And then Blue Jays gave a glimmer of hope. Kevin Pillar, Kevin Pillar hit a home run. How how long had fans been waiting to see that? To see Kevin Kevin Pillar go yard? It was 4-2. There was still a shot for this Blue Jays team. David Robertson was in the pen, and he hasn't been good against the Blue Jays. There was still a chance. But again, again, the bullpen. Joe Biagini comes out with a single and a wild pitch, and then... And then he gets the two outs, and, and in comes Aaron Loop. Aaron Loop had been good! Aaron Loop had like 12 games in a row where he didn't give up a run. And then walk, misplayed pickoff attempt, where I, I don't know what the Blue Jays were doing there. Like, I know Justin Smoke was looking back, Giancarlo Stanton at third base, but if you get Gregorius out, Stanton doesn't matter. So I would have made the throw to second base to try and get out of that inning. They don't make that throw. Gregorius moves to second. It all becomes moot because Aaron Hicks cranks loop over the wall. Three-run home run. Everyone turn off your TV sets. The jam is done. Just, it's a different kind of loss for the Blue Jays when is the bullpen doing it. When the starting rotation has a bad day, you kind of get it out of your system early and just like, okay, this is, this is just how it's going to be. I can choose to watch this or not. It is a different kind of monster when it's a bullpen just giving up back-to-back shots like that to absolutely suck the life out of whatever embodiment of joy you had while watching a game. Watching O deliver that Grand Slam was just heart-wrenching. Especially for someone who I've repeatedly said I, I love as a reliever. Not just because of the nickname, but because he shows a fearlessness on the mound. But it was it was just heart wrenching to see O completely fall apart like that. And then again, you watch Aaron Loop, and it's just like, okay, Aaron Loop's back to being Aaron Loop. I I guess I guess it is what it is. It was gut wrenching, and and again, it's it's a team that you know can't make it up on the offensive side because just the the power's not been there, the contact's not been there to create massive blasts like the Yankees got last night. Those three run, those grand slam home runs. The Blue Jays can't get enough base runners to make that hurt. The Blue Jays had the same amount of home runs as the Yankees last night. 
But they only had solo shots because they can't get anyone else on base because they keep striking out and pounding balls into the dirt. They can't work pitchers for walks. They can't stick their foot out and get a get a hit. They can't get on base to make these solo shots into damaging blows to a team's psyche the way the Yankees just completely blew up the happy feelings of the Blue Jays last night. And it's it's incredibly frustrating. And I, I don't blame a lot of fans for kind of turning out. Like, it, it is this season. It's just, again, it's that mechanical spider analogy that I've used before. The starting pitching legs were finally working. They're finally pulling the team forward. And then the just the back legs of the bullpen just absolutely fell apart. And... I, I, you can hear it in Gibby's face. You don't, you don't know what you can do. You can, you can send guys out there. You can send out the guys you have, but if they just perform like that, there's nothing you can do. And you can just, you know, take it, take it as it is. Remind yourself it's a game. There's no life or death consequences out of this. It's just the, the emotional punch is, is terrible. And this is a really depressing spot to end this edition of Locked On Blue Jays. But we will soldier on. If you want to talk to me on a regular basis, follow me on Twitter at NeoAC18. That's N-E-O-A-C-1-8. You can follow the podcast at Locked On Jays. And check out the writing at jaysfromthecouch.com as Monday's co-host Jasmine makes an appearance. Yeah. Yeah, there she is. Um, you can check out jaysfromthecouch.com. I actually got a piece up there today about the struggles of another forgotten member of that Blue Jays bullpen, Danny Barnes, and what he can try and do to replicate his April success. We'll see. We'll see what he's able to do. He's probably going to get some work today in the second of the two Yankees games because half the bullpen did not look good yesterday, did they, Jasmine? Yeah, that says all you need to know about the state of the Blue Jays' bullpen lately. So, for my co-host Jasmine, I'm Ryan Andrews. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of Locked On Blue Jays, and y'all take care.